Uh, hey, uh, hi, everyone. Uh, James couldn't be here today, so he asked me to fill in. Um, how does he start this? I guess, uh, he has a website, right? I guess uh, I should plug that. Sumsum.com. I don't know. I never listened to that part of his videos, so I don't really know. Uh, it's kind of weird that he asked me to fill in, actually, because, yeah, I've seen James. I know him. I, look, let me introduce myself. I love YouTube. YouTube, man. YouTube is the internet. YouTube. It's about you. You were the person of the year in 2006. Remember that? YouTube. Yeah. So I am a YouTuber. Woo! I love YouTube. So yeah, I know James. I remember years ago, I used to sometimes get his videos recommended to me in the sidebar there, and I clicked on some of them. Ah, they seemed all right. I, I, of course, I subscribed to his channel. You know, come to think of it, I haven't seen his channel recently. I was just going through my subscriptions the other day. I don't remember even seeing the Cor... Cor... Corbert report? No, uh, Cor... Corbett report. That's it, right? James Corbett. I haven't seen that around recently. It's been a while since I saw any of his videos, come to think of it. Well, okay, well, I guess uh, let's uh, let's check out what James is talking about these days. He must have something to say about Ukraine or something, right? He's a, he's a newsy kind of nerd or something. All right, so let's go to the internet. Here we are on the internet. Um, you know, it says YouTube in the top corner of the screen there, and there's a search bar. Because if it's not here and it's in the lovely homepage, which is just so much interesting and relevant news and information, well, if it's not there, it's probably not worth watching. But I guess sometimes you like to search, try to find something a bit out of the ordinary, right? So let's let's try to search. Uh, cor, cor, corbet, cor, corbet, cor, corbet, corbet, corbet report, right? That was it. I'm pretty sure that was it. There you go. See? You go to the internet, you type Corbett Report into that YouTube search bar, and there it is. All right, so um, let's see what he's what he's up to these days. Yeah, there you go. There's his channel, and there's the logo, and 14,000 subscribers, 26 videos. That doesn't sound right. I think the last time I checked, uh, like a year ago, it was like 596,000 subscribers and over 1,300 videos. I don't know. Who's counting? Well, that's weird. And I, I was subscribed, but I'm not subscribed anymore. It's weird. And Well, all right. Well, let's let's check it out. Whoa! <laughs> what the? Wow, James, what are you doing, man? That's a horrible graphic design for your YouTube banner. You should put more care into that. It's almost like you just took this tiny little logo and squished it into that giant YouTube banner frame. Whoever your uh, graphic designer is should be fired. What's uh, What was that guy's name? Uh, br br Brock? Spelt with a K, right? Yeah, I think so. Anyway, okay, well, let's let's find out about. Let's click the about. Okay, so description, the corporate report, independent listener support, an alternative news source that operates on the principle of open source intelligence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure I read this before. This is this is the corporate report, yeah. Joined July 2021. Location Morocco. That Well, that seems weird. I thought he was in um, Korea, Japan, China, whatever. One of those kind of places or something, right? Huh. Well, anyway, this is clearly his channel, so let's just see what he's talking about. No November opened four months ago. Weird. It seems his most recent video was four months ago. Yeah, he was posting pretty consistently there, although only starting five months ago and ending abruptly four months ago. That's, that's weird. I wonder what's up. Well, let's 
let's check it out. Let's click on this video. Hello friends, James Corbett here at CorbettReport.com. All right, there's that blah, blah, blah.com thing. Whatever, who cares? Whatever that means, doesn't matter. All right, so uh, there we go. That's clearly James Corbett of the Corbett Report. So here we are, right? And look, look at the nice supportive commentary. This man needs to be protected at all costs. Uh, appreciate your work, sir. Thank you. We love you, James. Many thanks for all you did. See? Great. Okay, now I'm here. I'm, I'm home. I'm at the Corbett Report home on the internet, youtube.com. But let's just let's just check some of the newer comments because yeah, I wonder where he's been recently. Um, where where is your current video? Uh, YouTube unsubbed me. Uh, <laughs> the Azov battalion bearing insignia swastika guy shill. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Real Corbett report is not located in Morocco. This one here is. Maybe it's a scam. Yeah, you think. What happened to this channel? Good question. Uh, yeah, what what happened? Like your videos went off the web and I couldn't find you. Uh, I was unsubbed. Why didn't you upload any videos in the past three months? Where are you, buddy? Thought you were dead, James. Mandela? You, you yank all your old vids so you cannot be called out for spreading misinformation yourself. You are not an honest journalist, dude. <laughs> I forgot about you and thankfully saw someone talk about you. Came to the channel and noticed that I've been unsubscribed. Just had to resub. YouTube sucks ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, YouTube sucks ass. So what we should do is continue going back to YouTube and if I'm unsubbed from some channel, just type it in the search bar and subscribe to the first channel with that name. That's the way forward, guys. Okay, big reveal. Guess what, everyone? I am James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. You're tuned into episode 414 of the Corbett Report podcast on the future of censorship. And what you are witnessing right here, right now, is a live demonstration of uh, what that future of censorship is going to look like. This is a case study in what is going to be your new normal as we step into the post-truth world of the the internet of YouTube and places like that, controlled outlets like that. So what we're seeing here is, well, clearly uh, a scam of some sort. Look, my material is free for people to post. I always just ask people to attribute it properly. So I guess the best way to attribute it is to make a Corbett Report channel and pretend to be the Corbett Report. <laughs> no, I would prefer if people do not pretend to be me. Um, but having said that, okay, so someone's just uploading it. And then from what I can gather from reading through some of these comments, I guess this person attempted to upload my RFK Jr. video and uh, they were they, someone said, I was watching and it went down midstream. And then that person went to say, well, is, is this a video available anywhere else? <laughs> James Corbett, CorbettReport.com. Yeah, what's the secret place you can go to find this secret information? He makes it so hard to find. <laughs> so you can understand, I'm sure, that this is quite frustrating for me just on a personal level, just to do with myself and my work and the way it has there are a number of people now who are confused and what's going on and this is James Corbett right it's got his name on it so it must be him and where'd he go and what's happening why have you posted months and you shill you took down thousands of videos so you can't be a confused of disinformation you're a you're not an honest journalist dude 
<laughs> you got me there. <laughs> uh, so you can see how this is frustrating. Not not only because uh, obviously the people are being confused and misled by this channel, but because this should not have been news to anyone who was following my work. I don't even just mean people who are watching every single video. I mean people who were dipping their toe in occasionally because I didn't mention it once or twice along the path. I mentioned it over and over and over and over and over. If you are following me on YouTube, you will lose my voice. This is why it is so important if you are watching this on YouTube, please, please at least bookmark CorbettReport.com so that if and unfortunately increasingly likely when they try to manipulate, censor, or otherwise obstruct my material on YouTube, you can find it at the source. And I've always known about the YouTube crackdown that is inevitable and is coming for YouTube content creators who are not officially approved parts of, you know, Hollywood and the system. Uh, it's just going to turn into a Netflix-type service at some point in the future, and it's already halfway there now. So I've always known that I'm just using the beast to get the word out, but it's uh, going to clamp down on me at some point. This is becoming a uh, monthly statement for me. Probably it'll be a weekly statement soon, maybe a daily statement. But uh, if you are only getting your information from YouTube, uh, sorry, ThemTube, then you are going to lose the Corporate Report and other alternative media in the future. It is already happening. So here, here begins the fork in the road, which obviously at one point is going to be, I'm not going to be on YouTube. That is going to happen at some point. If... All you do is go to my YouTube channel, as I've said, for year after year after year. I, I've said it a thousand times now. If you watch me on YouTube, you're going to lose the corporate report. So this is a wheat from chaff separating event. Uh, I'm going to try uploading this to my extras channel. Uh, maybe it'll land there. So if you are watching this on my extras channel, this is your last warning. Get off of YouTube. Watch me elsewhere. Absolutely anywhere else. Preferably go to corporatereport.com. But otherwise, you will lose my voice. As I say, I am going to be taken off of YouTube in the near future. It's going to happen. I'm not going to self-censor. So be forewarned. And this is your final warning on that front. Do you get the point? <laughs> that's not even all the examples. But anyway, that's pretty representative of uh, the type of thing that I've been saying for year after year after year, going back several years before the idea of we really need a YouTube alternative was a popular one or one that you were hearing, even in the independent media. I was on it. I was saying it. Remember Veracity videos from 2009, I think it was? I, I do. I was trying to, hey guys, we need some sort of alternative. Anyway, I'm glad that the alternative is rising and the need for that alternative is finally coming to the forefront of the consciousness of a lot of truth seekers. But Evidently not all of them. So, yes, frustrating. And if there are any good Samaritans in the crowd, you might want to go in on that comment thread and just inform some of those confused people that, that you're not, this is not the Corbett Report. And Corbett is at his, at, his, uh, at his website where he posts everything that he does and always has and always will. And it's the, the archive is there and you can go and watch anytime and you can follow him there. <sighs> If there are good Samaritans in the crowd, I can't. I literally can't. Because another interesting part of this is that I cannot leave comments on YouTube because you would need to sign into YouTube to do that. And I literally, my, my account was 
Next, I I can't I can't do that. I I think I could create a new one through some other email address or something. I haven't tried. I'm not going to. But isn't this interesting? Here's the real rub, and here's the real point of today's episode. Yes, obviously, censorship is going on of alternative opinions in the controlled platforms, the YouTubes and Twitters and TikToks and whatever. Yeah, wow. Newsflash, in case you hadn't noticed. Yeah, of course that's happening. But actually, this is much more insidious than just outright banning someone off of social media. It's not like YouTube has just banned James Corbett. No, I mean, people with YouTube channels invite me on and I go on and I talk and it's not like I'm blurred out on screen or you can't see me when I'm on YouTube or something. No, I mean, clearly my videos can occasionally be uploaded to YouTube, but I can't do it. And I can't even interact with people who think that it is me doing that. So what is happening is not just the digital depersoning. It's not just you're banned from this platform and here's a big censorship sticker. And when someone says, types in Corbett report or Corbett report or Corbett report into the search bar, they're not going to get some warning. No, this channel has been banned and here's where you can go to find it on another platform. No, of course not. You're going to get, hey, here's a Corbett report channel. It's got the logo and the branding and it doesn't say otherwise. Hey, I guess this is him, but he's not posting anymore. He, he deleted all his old videos, that shill. Do you see? This is not a digital depersoning. This is a digital repersoning. There is some other entity now that's being created in the YouTube sphere of the Corbett report that, hey, may even be my videos and may even have my face, but it's not me. <laughs> and I have nothing to do with it, and it's not accurately representing me or my work or what's happening or anything that's going on. Um, so in this case, I I like to think it's pretty easy to figure out if you do your due diligence and, hey, what's that CorbettReport.com that he mentions in every single video he's ever done? Maybe I should go there once just to see if maybe there's newer information than what's being posted here. I think it's pretty straightforward in this case, but it might not be so straightforward going into the brave new world future that we're goose-stepping into. So this actually brings to light something that I was I was really trying to ring the alarm bell about years ago. So as is so often the case these days, if there is something that's really important that's happening in the world, go to the Corporate Report archives and I will have a video on that topic. So let's go back to 2019. Remember the heady halcyon days of 2019 when we were all just out and about doing our things, living life, without masks and vaccine mandates and whatever else hanging over our heads. Remember that? Well, I do. And this is what I was talking about in the summer of 2019. Hello, friends. James Corbett here, CorbettReport.com. And friends, we need to talk because I do find it somewhat frustrating that every time I bring up the topic of search engine blacklisting or search engine algorithm manipulation, the commentary that I receive, the feedback that I receive on that analysis is invariably some variation of, oh, but I found that if, if I type in Century of Enslavement History of the Federal Reserve by James Corbett in quotation marks into the YouTube search engine, then it'll be the 57th result and it'll be, uh, you know, a copy of the, your documentary on someone else's channel, but, but I can find it. And that's well and good. 
And I should stress that there is an importance to people being able to figure out how to find a piece of information that they know is out there, that they are specifically looking for, as the search engines become more and more manipulated, and it becomes more and more difficult to find verboten thought crime uh, content online. That will be an important skill. But it misses the bigger picture. It misses the real point of search engine algorithms and manipulation and where we are heading with all of this. Because newsflash, we tend to think of searching in the terms of what we do today, the way that we interact with computers as they exist now, which may even mean just you sitting down at a desktop computer and physically typing in search terms and scrolling through results and choosing the result that you want or deciding, oh wait, I better add this keyword so that I get a more refined result or whatever it is. A process that you are actively engaged in and giving feedback to and manipulating yourself in order to find the right thing that you're looking for. Um, which, by the way, why are you looking for a specific piece of information? It's probably because you already know that it exists out there. What if you don't know that it exists out there? What if you are a newbie, a neophyte, and you hear people talking about the Federal Reserve and you're just typing Federal Reserve into a search engine? How would you even know to refine that result in this way or that in order to achieve a certain result? And that's the way that we interact with computers today, sitting down at a desktop or maybe scrolling through a fondle slab and doing a similar process. But as I say, newsflash, that is not the way you are going to be interacting with computers a decade from now, let alone two or three decades down the line. Uh, everything that the big tech giants are doing is preparing us for a state in which we will not be actively in inputting uh, in information via keystrokes into a device. These devices are going to be more and more unobtrusive. They're going to become wearables and hearables and other things that are attached to us in one way or another. Eventually it will be embedded directly into us, but in the meantime there will be some version of that where we are allowed to, to have these devices that do our thinking for us. Alexa and Siri and uh, whatever else, whatever Google's assistant is and all of these are just the beginnings, the tiptoeing into that totalitarian minefield of the future where we do not have control over our devices to the same extent that we do right now. And we are being prepared for that future. A future in which we are not sitting there typing search terms in and selecting something from a feed of results. We are being delivered an answer a singular answer from the search engine, by which by that point will have enough data on us and have enough AI algorithms programmed into it that it thinks it knows what information we want. Or at the very least, it will tell us what information we should be wanting. And it will give us precisely one search result. You think I'm joking about this? No, this is Google's admitted, on the record, stated intention for the future of search, where receiving multiple different search results that you can scroll through and select from is not a feature, but a bug. And, and one of my questions leading to is, help us understand where's the future of search going? Well, when, when you use Google, 
um, do you get more than one answer? Of course you do. Yeah, of course. Well, that's a bug. Yeah. We, we have more bugs per second in, in the world. No, because no, no, we, we, we should be able to give you the right answer just once. We should know what you meant. You should look for information. We should give it exactly right. And we should give it to you in your language. And we, sh and we should never be wrong. Yes, that is the future that we're heading into. A future where we do not have control over the search results in any form whatsoever. We will simply be handed answers. And we're starting to see that with devices like Alexa, where you ask an, a question and it gives you an answer. And that's the future of search. That is why search engine algorithm manipulation is so crucial so utterly, completely crucial to the future of humanity. I am not overstating things. This really will be the determinant factor in what information exists in the future, let alone what information we can access. And one way to get a handle on that, I'm not sure if you've been following the Google Insider information that uh, the Project Veritas has been putting out recently, but one of the documents that that insider leaked shows that Google's end goal for this search engine algorithm manipulation is the programming of humans themselves. Other internal documents expose Google's hopes for ML fairness. Training data are collected and classified. Algorithms are programmed. Media are filtered, ranked, aggregated, and generated. People, like us, are programmed. Sounds like social engineering, not search querying. Yes, they are programming us by feeding us certain search engine results. And of course, that programming process does not happen overnight. It does not happen all at once. It is a process that will take time. But I can almost guarantee you that a decade further down this road, down this path, your opinions, your ideas about the world will have been shaped by the results that you are getting when you are searching for this or that piece of information, whether, whether you're conscious of it or not. And it really does worry me that other than one YouTube channel that I can think of off the top of my head, I'm not sure anyone really comprehends this future and what the, the real significance of it. And that YouTube channel that I'm referring to is, of course, TrueStream Media that has put out some great videos around these subjects, including the AI Oracle and the future of one-shot answers that goes into this in great detail and breaks down these types of, these new devices that will shape the way that we interact with information and to really stop us from being able to ever encounter thought crime information. And that's the bigger picture. That's the, the road that we're heading down. And so it doesn't, it, it is important for the moment that you know the ways around and you can use this or that search engine. You can use, you can search for this result and you can add these keywords and things to find the information you're looking for. Great. But let's look at the bigger 
picture of this. This is ultimately about shaping you as a human being, as in terms of what you know or what you think you know about the world, the way you interact with the world. That is all coming, and it's coming in the very near future. And so few people seem aware of it, even people who are following the independent media and have some grasp of the importance of information and our access to it. I still don't think enough people are aware of this. So please check out the show notes and look at some of the examples uh, that we've talked about here today and some of the other things that I'll throw in there around this topic, including my Film Literature in the New World Order podcast from several years ago on the Library of Babel. Extremely important information. Extremely important. It could not be more central to the future of our ability to interact with wrong-think information at all. Because the crackdown is not simply a censorship at the, at the level of we'll take your website off, offline or we'll take your YouTube channel down. No, they will make it so these, this information literally cannot be found. And eventually, this information literally will not be able to be thought. That is the bigger picture of this. And I hope that more people will start to pick up on this. Anyway, that's going to do it for today. James Corbett, CorbettReport.com. Even for those who did see that video when it came out three years ago, I, I hope it makes maybe a little bit more sense to you now that what we are facing is not just some sort of outright censorship where they're going to there's a big book burning and we know these are the naughty books and you can't read that anymore. In that case, at the very least, you could imagine some Fahrenheit 451 world where you squirrel away some secret copy of a book and you get to keep it and memorize bits of it so that you can remember it for future generations or something. No, it's much, much worse than that. Much, much scarier. It, this is a world in which the past can be rewritten and things can be changed and people... Is this person censored? Is this person banned? I don't know. Well, here's a channel. I guess this must be him. And this is what it says. So I guess this is him. I guess this is James Corbett. Oh, look, I, I went to YouTube and I typed in Corbett Report. This is the Corbett Report, right? Nope. No, it isn't. And that's that should be worrying at a deeply existentially philosophical level for people who understand the implications of this moving forward. Where, as I say, right now, at the very least... We have desktop computers with keyboards and we can clack away and type in certain searches and refine and we can go to this site and that site. But we are very quickly moving into the world where that will not be possible. And with each iteration of the new tech, it's going to get harder and harder to actually control that technology. It is going to be controlling you. And over a period of time, that technology will start to shape you. Not only what you, what you want to search for, but ultimately what you can even think to search for will be a conglomeration of all the things you've learned in previous searches on the controlled platforms. Alexa, what happened on 9-11? What answer do you think you're going to get from Alexa? I don't even want to know. Please, if, <laughs> I hope no one has one at home. But if you do, I don't even want to hear the results of that test. At any rate, it's not going to tell you uh, very much. And you're not going to be able to really dig down and refine searches until you stumble across information like that pre presented in the Corbett Report or anywhere else in the independent media sphere. Of course not. They're going to make it at the technical, technological level, at the, at the hardware device level, 
that it just won't even be possible. How can you do that? No, you will be going through the gatekeepers, through the gatekeeping technology, and then that will become the limits of your knowledge and understanding of the world. This is actually right in line with what I was talking about with uh, the earlier episode of this podcast on pricking the filter bubble, where I talked about the, oh, irony of ironies. In a sense, you could say it was YouTube radicalized me back in 2006. Because as I always point out, it was watching YouTube videos and getting those recommendeds about 9-11 Truth in the sidebar and eventually clicking on a few of them and eventually falling down that rabbit hole and then tumbling down that rabbit hole one one, uh, issue after another. There was a, a definite sequence of events there that wouldn't have happened if James Corbett was just starting into this in 2022. That that process wouldn't have happened. I don't know what that would look like. I probably would have ended up in a very different place, even if I was inclined to seek out alternative information. Would it have led me to the type of information that I found in the way that I did? No, of course not. So we are shaped in ways that we... but barely understand. And then we are thrust into this world where increasingly, as I say, we are not going to be interacting with our devices. They are going to be just telling us what to do. And it gets creepier and creepier the further into this that you go. And as an example of that, I would want to point out a recent report from our friends at the World Economic Forum on advancing digital agency, which... Well, that sounds like an interesting topic. What could that be about? Advancing digital agency, the power of data intermediaries. And it says, with the integration of screenless technology into everyday life, the data ecosystem is growing increasingly complicated. New ambient data collection methods bring many benefits, but they also have the potential to amplify mistrust between people and technology. In this Insight report, the World Economic Forum's Task Force on Data Intermediaries explores the potential to outsource human decision points to an agent acting on an individual's behalf in the form of a data intermediary. The opportunities and risks of such a new approach are explored, representing one of many new policy anchors through and around which individuals may navigate new data ecosystem models. And levers of action for both the public and private sectors are suggested to ensure a future-proof digital policy environment that allows for the seamless and trusted movement of data between people and the technology that serves them. That's right, the technology serves you. Remember that, guys? That you don't serve the technology. That's crazy conspiracy theory. So for people who don't know, this idea that they delve into in this report is data intermediaries who are going to be handling your transactions in a number of different ways. And that could be from the the, the sort of the, the digital identity sort of side of things and uh, you're verifying you are who you say you are when you're, you're going past the contactless whatever payment system in the checkout of the future in the convenience store or whatever it is, right down to the level of your music and what music will be recommended for you or it'll create a playlist for you or whatever it is. And of course, your news and information, your sources of information, what will be presented to you as here's the news of the day. You won't get to choose that, search for that, filter that on your own. No, data intermediaries will be working and based on your tastes and what we have algorithmically determined will be best for you, we'll serve you this information and we'll serve it at this time in this way with this notification and we'll take that information and shove it down a memory hole and we'll put this information on a back burner so if you get bored, you know, you can explore further. 
the technology will be choosing what you do, when you do it, where and how it is brought to your attention. That is the world that we are marching into right now. And that, to me, represents the real dangers of the future censorship, not just the outright banning of information in some visible way that you understand that certain information has been banned. No, 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 they won't even give you the chance to understand that in this world of digital repersoning where, I, I don't know, I, I searched for the Corbin Report, it's on YouTube. I don't know what you're talking about, James, you're on YouTube. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I think this is an extremely dangerous path to be walking right now, especially since so few people understand they are walking that path. And I'm not just talking about the poor deluded YouTubers, although <laughs> I would say they're the prime examples of this, <laughs> but I would say more generally, how many people really understand the depth and gravity of the situation or how quickly we're moving into this world where you will not be interacting with who you think you're interacting with? And if you think I mean that in some sort of just general level or some sort of, well, some channel that calls itself the Corbett Report, no, 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 you will be seeing and hearing and talking to perhaps and even interacting with at some point people that may not even actually exist. I think I might be in trouble. China has developed a virtual anchor to deliver the news. Watch this. Hello, everyone. I'm an English artificial intelligence anchor. This is my very first day in Xinhua's agency. My voice and appearance are modeled on Zhang Zhao, a real anchor with Xinhua. The development of the media industry calls for continuous innovation and deep integration with the international advanced technologies. <laughs> well, that was exciting. What do you think? <laughs> what do you think? Uh, sort of absence of personality, I'd say. Uh, absolutely. Yes. Um, no charisma. And they didn't even pronounce Xinhua correctly. What have you said? <laughs> but my point, the point is that they can work tirelessly, 24 hours a day. No difficult contract negotiations to go through as well. No vacations. <laughs> no vacations. But how would they deal with humor or breaking? Well, they don't because it would have to be a single anchor. Two of them together wouldn't be able to interact. And they're basically repeating what's being texted in. Someone's writing in the text and they're repeating it. So you could have breaking news so just as quickly as you could type the text in that comes out. But it's, you know. But as we we say with technology, it continues to develop yeah. and advance. Yeah. So who knows in five years what that could maybe translate to. Remember Max Headroom of the 80s? Oh, yes. Who could forget He had Max personality. <laughs> he did, actually. Yeah. Well, we'll see if yes. the character on the left-hand side of your screens ever replaces me. You never know. I think you are or not. He, he needs a British accent, that fellow. That's what he needs. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys are right to dismiss that. That's just silly. Come on. You can tell it's a robot thingy. I mean, yeah, this is, this is as they say, Max Headroom. Max Headroom! <laughs> yeah, of course. Anyone can see through that nonsense when they start tinkering with that stuff. It's not like you'd be able to speak to a AI assistant thingy without knowing that it was just a robot. So let's go back to this example. Let's say you want to ask Google to make you a haircut appointment on Tuesday between 10 and noon. What happens is the Google Assistant makes the call seamlessly in the background for you. So what you're going to hear is the Google Assistant actually calling a real salon to schedule the appointment for you. Let's listen. Hi, I'm 
have to book a women's haircut for our clients. Um, I'm looking for something on May 3rd. So I can meet one second. Mm-hmm. Sure, what time are you looking for around? At 12 p.m. We do not have a 12 p.m. available. The closest we have to that is a 1.15. Do you have anything between 10 a.m. and uh, 12 p.m.? Depending on what service she would like, what service is she looking for? Just a woman's haircut for now. Okay, we have a 10 o'clock. 10 a.m. is fine. Okay, what's her first name? The first name is Lisa. Okay, perfect. So I will see Lisa at 10 o'clock on May 3rd. Okay, great. Thanks. Great. Have a great day. Bye. That was a real call you just heard. The amazing thing is the assistant can actually understand the nuances of conversation. We've been working on this technology for many years. It's called Google Duplex. It brings together all our investments over the years in natural language understanding, deep learning, text-to-speech. By the way, when we are done, the assistant can give you a confirmation notification saying your appointment has been taken care of. Let me give you another example. Let's say you want to call a restaurant, but maybe it's a small restaurant which is not easily available to book online. The call actually goes a bit differently than expected. So take a listen. See how may I hear you? Hi, um, I'd like to reserve a table for Wednesday the 7th. For seven people? Um, it's for four people. For people when? Um, Today, next Wednesday at 6 p.m. Oh, actually, we leave for like upper like five people. For few, four people, you can come. How long is the wait usually to uh, be seated? For when tomorrow or weekday or? For next Wednesday, uh, the seventh. Oh no, it's not too busy. You you, you can come for four people, okay? Oh, I got gotcha. you. Thanks. Yeah. Bye-bye. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that that's coming. In fact, that was a presentation from four years ago. Uh, just what they're publicly announcing to the public. Oh, this is the technology that we've got. It's just, it's just a voice thing. It can just make phone calls, that's all. Don't worry about it, guys. <laughs> Do you understand? This concept of censorship, I think we need to understand our and broaden our scope of it because it's not just about censoring what you can see and what you can hear in some way that you understand it. It's about presenting to you information in a way that, yes, the real information is being censored, but behind such a screen and wall of activity and lies and fakery that you won't even be able to tell the difference. And wait until there are believable deep fakes so they can max headroom a James Corbett into existence. We're entering an era in which our enemies can make it look like anyone is saying anything at any point in time. Jordan Peele created this fake video of President Obama to demonstrate how easy it is to put words in someone else's mouth. Moving forward, we need to be more vigilant with what we trust from the internet. Not everyone bought it, but the technology behind such frauds is rapidly improving, even as worries increase about their potential for harm. This is your Bloomberg Quick Take on Deep Fakes.
deepfakes, or realistic-looking fake videos and audio, gained popularity as a means of adding famous actresses into porn scenes. Despite bans on major websites, they remain easy to make and find. They're named for the deep-learning artificial intelligence algorithms that make them possible. Input real audio or video of a specific person, the more the better, and the software tries to recognize patterns in speech and movement. Introduce a new element like someone else's face or voice, and a deepfake is born. We have to also make sure that within our own country, uh, we are calling out those people uh, who are giving aid and comfort to Vladimir Putin, who are talking about what a genius he is, what a smart move it is, uh, who are unfortunately uh, being broadcast uh, by Russian uh, media. Oh, yeah, guys, you better believe it when you see the Corbett Report on the Corbett Report YouTube channel saying, I love, love, love. the New World Order. Ah! Globalism is wonderful, Alfred. No, and we should all, all, all do what the president and or ah! prime minister tells us Plus to do at well. all times. You better believe that they have Max headroomed me into some realm of, uh, of fakery. And one would imagine I probably wouldn't be wearing the Screw YouTube t-shirt at that point. But at any rate, this is the world we're stepping into. And it's a world where censorship doesn't mean what we... It ain't your granddaddy's censorship. This is going to be censorship in a whole different way that will ultimately be designed to not even allow you to think wrong thoughts. You won't even know to think them because that information will have so thoroughly been censored that you won't even be able to comprehend or question the information you're receiving. If you think I'm uh, exaggerating, let's present it in the context of the appendix to 1984, written by Eric Blair, of course, uh, George Orwell, in which he was talking about new speak and old speak. Of course, as you will know from having read 1984, new speak is the new language that the uh, big brother Ingsoc is trying to inculcate in the population, which will ultimately make it impossible to even speak, to even think thoughts that are wrong, uh, according to the party. So, in the appendix, Orwell writes, When old speak had been once and for all superseded, the last link with the past would have been severed. History had always already been rewritten, but fragments of the literature of the past survived here and there, imperfectly censored, and so long as one retained one's knowledge of old speak, it was possible to read them. In the future, such fragments, even if they chanced to survive, would be unintelligible and untranslatable. It was impossible to translate any passage of old speak into new speak, unless it either referred to some technical process or some very simple everyday action, or was already orthodox. Good thinkful would be the new speak expression in tendency. In practice, this meant that no book written before approximately 1960 could be translated as a whole. Pre-revolutionary literature could only be subjected to ideological translation, that is, alteration in the sense, in sense as well as language. Take, for example, the well-known passage from the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, 
liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their powers from the consent of the governed, that where it, whenever any form of government becomes destructive of those ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government. It would have been quite impossible to render this into new speak while keeping the sense of the original. The nearest one could come to doing so would be to swallow the whole passage up in the single word, crime think. A full transla translation could only be an ideological translation, whereby Jefferson's words would be changed into a panegyric on absolute government. Well, I think that's where we're heading, friends. And it's not, I think, well, although the... The butchery of the language is, as I've pointed out before, uh, Newspeak is double plus ungood. Uh, go back to that podcast if you haven't heard it in a while. So I have talked about this before, and that is a part of what's happening right now, but it's not the whole part. No, it's a technological changeover in society and the way that we interact with others and get information. And of course, what is it that we've seen over the entire COVID era is this push to digitize everything, and all human transactions and interactions should take place online. And moving society into this digital realm that can then be so thoroughly gatekept that we don't even realize there's a gate. That is the ultimate win for the censors. Not censorship by depersoning, but censorship by repersoning, and eventually censorship of yourself, by yourself. You don't even know what it is that you don't know, and you don't think to look for those things that you don't know exist. This gets really, really deep when you start to really contemplate it. So, I guess, long story short, from my cold, dead hands will you pry my means of production, to use the old commie phrase. Of course, yeah, my means of production is this desktop computer that I can still type into, and I can still interact with, and I can tell it what to do. But you start taking the wearables and the hearables, and it's so much more convenient, and hey, this will monitor my heart rate as I sleep, and hey, why don't we just put it directly into my four forehead or my hand. It'll be so much more simple when all of my digital life is just embedded in my body. Cross that line and you are no longer a human being. You are no longer going to be a free and independent person. So this is where it goes. Uh, we are in an information war that I, don't, I can only throw darts at the dartboard and over thousands of times you're going to get this example. You're going to see the picture that I'm aiming at. You're going to get what the target is. So I will keep throwing darts at that dartboard and collecting information along these lines and trying to ring the alarm about these things. And hopefully every time I do it, it'll make a little bit more sense to you. Having said that, uh, there's lots of resources and notes to go over, so I hope you will go uh, to CorbettReport.com, C-O-R-B-E-T-T, Report.com. Yes, that is a website. Yes, that is where you can find my work for any <laughs> dear lost YouTubers who have somehow managed to stumble on this video. Go to CorbettReport.com, specifically CorbettReport.com slash future censorship, and you will find all of the links that I have talked about today. But that's going to do it for this edition of Corbett Report. I hope you will be here at CorbettReport.com to join me again in the near future. So we are putting up a fight. We are putting up resistance. And I do not want people to start thinking, oh, well, the establishment is going to crack down and there's nothing we can do. 
they want you to believe that we are weak, that we can easily be defeated. But even if we are weak compared to the establishment propaganda matrix, when will we be stronger? At what point next week? Next year? At the point at which they have a mini true officer stationed in every Facebook feed? The war is actually begun. Why stand we here idle? What is it that gentlemen wish? What would they have? Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not co what course others may take, but as for me, give me freedom of the press or give me death. James Corbett, CorbettReport.com.